We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And good morning, Kansas City. Welcome inside Kauffman Stadium. Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk baseball up until 2 o'clock. My name is Josh Vernier, 610 Sports Radio's Royals Insider broadcasting live from Royals Rally 2023. Still ahead, we'll hear from Royals owner and CEO John Sherman. We'll hear from MJ Melendez and Michael Massey, Brad Keller, Daniel Lynch, Bobby Witt Jr., just to name a few. But let's start with uh, let's start with a stud. Let's start with an ace. Let's start with the number one. Let's start with uh, a guy that I believe is going to be your opening day starter. Let's start with number 51, Brady Singer, joining us live here on 610 Sports Radio to get us started. Brady, nice to see you. How you been, man? How's the offseason treating you? All good. I think that was the quickest offseason I've ever had, but believe that's it. a good thing. I'm obviously ready to be back, ready to play some baseball, ready to get to spring training and go, get going. Uh, had an awesome offseason. Uh, training was great. Got married, honeymoon. All that, so uh, a lot of uh, a lot of cool things this off season, but excited to get going. Yeah, let's start there. Uh, tell me about uh, the the build up to the wedding. Tell me mm-hmm. about the day. Uh, take me through it. Was, was yeah. it was it nerve wracking for you, or were you uh, a cool customer? I actually wasn't too nervous. My wife Tori was extremely nervous, but uh, no, we had a we actually had to switch a venue. The uh, previous one got wiped out by the hurricane, um, so we had to do a quick venue switch within a month. Um, but uh, it actually worked out great. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the guys here um, were there, so it was, it was awesome. Just for having everybody there, it was just one big party celebrating us, and it was it was really really cool. Did anyone impress or embarrass on the dance floor at the reception? Um, no, we did have a pool incident. We all jumped in the pool, and I do have a video of Bobby coming over the top, just full cannonball into the <laughs> pool um, while everybody was in there. So that was. That was really cool. Um, that was that was funny. Yeah, I'm uh, watching uh, Brad Keller. Uh, I think it was last week. He's hosting an MLB Network show, mm-hmm. and he laid out a challenge uh, to Whit Merrifield, saying he was going to pick him off of first base. Whit Merrifield then hosts an hour, and not only does he strike back at Keller, but he also comes at oh, you, yeah. saying the first time he faces <laughs> you, he's going to lay a bunt down. Uh, <laughs> Witt doesn't seem like a guy that's gonna front. I, I think he's going to try and do that. He he definitely might try. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk. He loves he's been talking about it. I think it's the second week or something they come into town or it's the first week, second series or something like that, saying he's gonna hit one off the wall or hit it out or something yeah, like right. that. But he's talking more about the stealing bases and you know, obviously he's really good at that and with the new pitch clock it's it's gonna be different and um Obviously, I think you'll see the stolen bases, um, not only him, but for the whole league rise. How many – was Witt at the wedding? How many of uh, the teammates – you mentioned Bobby. Mm. Uh, how much of a Royals feel was it down there, and I would guess down in Florida? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was down in Florida. There was a lot of them. Um, Brad was Brad was there, of course, Witt, Nikki, Scotty. I know I'm leaving somebody out. Brent's mm. was there. Um, Lynch was there. I mean, it was it was a whole it was a whole ordeal. It was it was really cool just to have all those guys come down there. And like I said, it was one big party, so yeah. it was it was awesome. Um, you know, kind of do those things, hang out off the field like that, and and all that. So it was really cool. Brady Singer joining us here on six ten uh, Sports Radio. You mentioned Bobby Witt Jr. You guys probably going to link up this year uh, wearing the red, white, and blue for uh, the World Baseball Classic. Uh, you know how much I love baseball. Uh, so the World Baseball Classic, to see what that mm-hmm. clubhouse, not only the U.S. team, but the Dominican, uh, the Puerto Rican team. I mean, there are some squads out there. Mm-hmm. How did that all come together? When did they first reach out, and, and how quick was it a, an affirmative from yeah. the singer camp? Yeah, I think I, I think I told a story last night, but I was actually at the wedding um, doing like a day before the wedding golf outing with you know all the guys and everything, and I was – just golfing, hanging out, and my agent came over in a golf cart and was like, hey, you want to play on you know, Team USA? And it was an automatic yes. I mean, obviously, to, to wear the red, white, and blue, I'm a huge, obviously, USA fan, American fan. I love this place. Um, and uh, so it was, a, it was a super quick yes. And then talking to the Royals, um, you know, they said, if you want to do it, absolutely go for mm-hmm. it. So um, couldn't be more excited for that, especially to play with Bobby. Um, you know, obviously, 
watch him perform on it and just the other guys that are there. I mean, to learn from some of the some of the game's greatest. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously Trout's there, and then just on my side with the pitchers, Kershaw, Wainwright, all those people. I mean, just to, I don't know, not even be in the same locker room, but just to sit there and, and watch them and how watch what they've done and see how they've, you know, gotten this far. It's really cool. Yeah, I think from the – 400 level class you were able to observe last year was Zach Greinke. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you're throwing, as you mentioned, Wainwright, Kershaw, Andy Pettit, the pitching coach, yeah. I believe, on yeah. that squad. Uh, Andy Pettit, I mean, that that's a guy that was pitching every October of your, your childhood, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, like, it's just another another name in this whole entire thing. It's, it's so cool um, just to be around someone like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you've obviously watched him growing up in Yankees, in New York, all that pressure, um, you know, just – how he how he did all that. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable just to have somebody like that that's pitching the postseason, one World Series, and all that, and just his name. I mean, it's 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 cool. It just it's somebody that I can sit around and you know another guy can watch. Yeah, your competitiveness is uh, well documented, and most Royals fa- fans have seen it over the years. So I'm interested as as you share uh, a clubhouse with Logan Webb, a guy that I think you two could probably bounce a lot of ideas off each other. Uh, does does the man, I'm going to face you in a few months. Does that come up, or are you guys going to be able to share ideas as you know, two of the best sinker-slider combos you're going to find? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely love to share ideas. And obviously the competitive stuff is you know, there. We're not going to shy away from that. But, no, I think that's a, just another guy that's going to be really cool to talk to. Obviously I've watched him um, a lot with, with his sinker and slider like you're talking about, and also change-up too. Yeah. I think he plays those really well off each other. Um, but, yeah, really, really cool guy to sit there and talk to. Like you said, kind of similar similar profiles a little bit, so it'll be cool. Well, they say you are the company you keep, and we're talking about uh, Cy Young Award winners. We're talking about future Hall of Famers. These, these are the guys you're going to be teammates with. Uh, any any different feeling this offseason after you make the statement in the big leagues the way that you did last year? Because the questions that maybe you've had and others have had about you in the past uh, – are, 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 are gone. I, I think people have, have seen uh, your talent. You've put up numbers in the big leagues. What's this offseason been like knowing now, all right, I am that guy that you expected that you drafted in that first round? Yeah, let's uh, basically let's, let's obviously get better, but let's, let's not regress. Let's keep pushing, um, pushing to get better. Let's not be you know, satisfied with what I had last year. Um, and all that, but I think just just doing what you know, obviously been doing on a health standpoint, um, getting the body ready and all that. But just keep pushing forward to try to be better, try to learn new things um, each and every day. Watch other guys, and like I said, the USA thing is going to be extremely helpful to to do that. But um, just keep pushing. I mean, I think that's something that I really like doing and um, really look forward to doing. Um, just trying to learn new things, and uh, like I said, keep pushing. Health wise, uh, you're always learning what it takes to get through 162. Uh, what new implementations did you make this off season? I'm um, just getting stronger and knowing knowing how long the season is. I think that's something that as a young player is pretty hard. You want to sit there and push all all, all off season, and of course we do. Um, but it's also knowing your body that I'm about to prepare to pitch. You know, my goal is pitch 200 innings every year. Um, preparing for that, um, pushing through the off season, understanding. It's a lot, you know. You got to work all day long, and, and you know what I do. But in the back of your mind, you also got to understand that you got to got to know your body and know when when to tone it down a little bit especially going into spring training I think there's a you know big chart of you know when you got to push and when you got to kind of relax and understand this is a long season this Mm -hmm. is you know you're going to be out here on this field in the middle of September and you know hundreds of innings under your belt and it's going to be 97 degrees so Mm -hmm. just know that um, you got to understand your body pretty well. How how do you go about that with again to bring up the WBC because uh, knowing you or at least watching your career when you're on that mound, uh, you're not going to go, well, i got to make sure. I, you're going to attack this dude who's standing in the box. Um, yeah. does, does that mean you had to just start getting ready a little bit sooner? Yeah, so I, I started a little bit earlier. Um, and like you said, that a lot of guys said that, you know, you got to be in game mode, you know, right then. I mean, there's no, like, you know, in the middle of spring training, it's, you know, you're still kind of learning some, some things. But they're basically saying you got to be ready to go mm-hmm. in the middle of this thing. And obviously I was excited because I got to start earlier and, you know, start ripping <laughs> some pens quicker and uh, letting it eat. Um, but like you said, from a health standpoint, you got to understand you got to do that too. So not only on top of the, you know, long year, you got to start early and do that. But I, I feel really prepared. I feel ready to go. I've thrown some, you know, I threw a lot the other day. I threw some, you know, longer bullpens. So I'm, I feel ready. Working with 
same group that you did for the past few seasons, Jackson, Brad, I know, I think Ryan Yarbrough's yeah, maybe down there as well. Yeah. yeah, all of us, uh, we were working, working out a facility, looking at, you know, we had the trackmen and all that. Just, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just, it's cool to just kind of see who can be the best that day. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like a little competition. You know, Brad and Keller's been looking unbelievable. I'm um, really excited for him. Um, and then Yarbrough as well. Both of those guys, I've, I've got to watch this offseason look really, really good. Royals ace Brady Singer joining us here on 610 Sports Radio as we broadcast live from Royals Rally 2023. Uh, one of the main reasons outside of uh, the numbers, I think one of the main reasons why uh, you were desired by Team USA is because the bigger the moment last season, the, the you know, with all due respect, the better you pitched, whether it was the Dodgers, the Yankees in the Bronx, Cleveland against Tampa. Uh, speak to that. What, what is it about the brightest lights, the packed house that brings the best out of Brady Singer? Yeah, I, I do love the challenge. And I think that's something that I was fortunate enough to gain in college and, you know, pitching in the in the bigger moments. But I just I just love those moments. I don't know why. I think it brings, you know, even more focused uh, out of me um, than, in, you know, other starts as well. Not that I'm not focused every single start, but, you know, I don't know. It's just something that's kind of instilled in me. I don't know if it's genetics or how it is, but uh, I just like it. I like I like the lights being on, you know, on me during the game um, and stuff like that, especially in big moments. Which leads me to a concern that I started to have when you were mowing through people last season that uh, this Royals ball club needs to win because you're a winner. I, I think you need the spotlight, you need the cameras, and I think you need October baseball. Mm -hmm. um, and it gets me as a Royals fan worried that if they don't put a winner around you, you're going to start uh, seeing what else is going on around Major League Baseball. Uh, how important is winning to you at this level? Yeah, especially in the city, too. I mean, I'm, I'm watching the Chiefs over there. Um, obviously, it's so cool to see you know them coming out of the tunnel with those fans. So we want the fans to be here in a winning atmosphere as well. We want to see how loud this place can get. We all want to experience it, you know, especially this younger team. I think that would be just so exciting for for all of us. And I think that I think this offseason we did a great job of acquiring a really um, good new group of guys that can help us push to that moment. Um, but I think I think the core group that we have here with you know the younger the younger guys, um, I think it's exciting. I mean, I'm 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 excited every time I wake up. Um, to get back here, especially with this team. Um, we have a lot of really, really good talent, and future future holds a lot. So, you know, yeah. like you said, winning is uh, it's one of the biggest things that, you know, in my mind that I th think about, but I think it's in everybody else's and this organization as well. Zach said last season was as much, if not the most fun he's ever had in the big leagues. Um, was that obvious? Did, did, could could, you, could yeah. you see that from, from a 20-year vet? And was it equally as much fun for you? Yeah, it was really cool. And especially to hear him say something like that, that's, you know, he's got 20 years in the right. big leagues, just to hear him say that, you know, this was a fun team and he enjoyed it. Um, and I think that's that was a huge point. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think when we were winning, it was it was a blast. Everybody was having fun. The music was going. It was, you know, it was enjoyable. So uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, a lot more wins. Any chance, or, or let me put it, have the conversations been – uh, jump-started between the organization and your agency about a possible extension to keep you here in Kansas City and to stop my worry that you uh, you could be attracted to an, an, another city that might be winning mm -hmm. more. Yeah, I'm just kind of taking day by day. I'm just trying to kind of focus on, you know, what I got to do to get better, focus on what can, you know, how the team's getting better and stuff like that. But, um, no, I'm just focusing on day. What about uh, the new bench that you have, a new manager, a new pitching coach? Um, tell me the conversations you've had with Matt Cotrero mm -hmm. and Brian Sweeney. Yeah, and I think that's something that I'm, I'm really excited about. I'm obviously excited about the, the group of guys we have, the team and all that, but I think those two guys and including, you know, the other – the other people we have as well, the I've worked with Zach Bove, the assistant mm -hmm. uh, pitching coach before um, that. And, you know, obviously Sweeney and Q, I think I think their backgrounds are what we're most excited for, where yeah. they where they come from. You know, obviously Q with the Rays and Sweeney with um, the Indians. You know, obviously the Indians have a great pitching staff. You know, they've really figured out what it takes for the young guys to be really good there. And obviously Q with the Rays. I mean, it's it's one, I think it's, I think the analytical part of it, and I'm not huge into analytics, but I understand it's a huge part of this game. Um, is really, really exciting for, you know, what it's going to bring. If you could quickly, and I know you got to get going, um, it, it, it expand on uh, why you believe, if you do believe, there was a, a, a change needed 
when it comes to the, 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 the pitching department. Not, not to say anything negative about a, a previous coach, but that injection of, of whatever's working in Tampa, whatever's working in Cleveland. Uh, what do you think that injection is going to be of that uh, new coaching staff, especially on the pitching side? Yeah, I think there's going to be new, new ideas presented for us um, to get better. I think it's going to be a bigger in-depth look at, you know, what, what we can do to get better, you know, not only, you know, off the field working on stuff, but in-game, you know, ways to attack hitters. Mm-hmm. Brady Singer, kind enough to join us here on 610 Sports Radio. People want your autographs. So I'm going to have to let you go. Brady, I appreciate you swinging by, and I'll see you next yeah, – uh, well, I'll probably be – I'll just be at the games <laughs> as you were in that red, white, yeah, and blue, man. Absolutely. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, appreciate brother. It. Thanks. There you go. Brady Singer joining us here live from Royals. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Rally 2023. We'll hear from Zach Greinke. We'll hear from J.J. Piccolo coming up as Zach was officially introduced on another one-year deal to uh, join Brady Singer at the top of that rotation. We'll hear what Zach had to say. We'll hear what uh, J.J. Piccolo had to say, not only about the acquisition of Greinke, but also uh, this pitching staff, which reading between the lines of what the general manager had to say yesterday, this pitching staff, this team, this 26-man roster really starting to take shape. Uh, Also, got to talk about the Edelberto Mondesi trade. Got to talk about big picture this 2023 season. Um, And we got to get real about it. Um, And I need to be honest about it. Because I'm really struggling right now with this squad as we sit about a month away from uh, spring training getting started. Because, well, because of what I just said. We're a week away from spring training. I refuse, refuse, at least as of now, until the standings say something otherwise, I refuse to treat 2023 as this is a developmental season. That's not my job. Maybe someone with the organization will try and uh, sell that about the young talent and getting questions answered. Uh, Fine. And you know what? Maybe I'll jump aboard and... Uh, partake in that sell job in June or July, August or September. But right now, Royals are tied for first, right? I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to go to the postseason or I expect them to compete for a postseason spot, but I'm certainly not going to start a season saying, well, you know, they don't have this and they don't have – I'm not giving them that excuse. Go out there and win baseball games. Brady, Daniel. Jordan Lyles, Ryan Yarbrough, Zach Greinke. We'll we'll dive deeper into all of that. We'll hear from Michael Massey. We'll hear from John Sherman, MJ Melendez, Daniel Lynch, and so many more. We are broadcasting live from Kauffman Stadium. Ladies and gentlemen, baseball is back. I know, I know what's coming up next weekend. And yes, we're all excited about that. And yes, we all have thoughts on that. But this, this right here, these next four hours... It's about Royals baseball. Hey, if you want to get involved, I'd love to converse with you. Uh, Hit me up on the text line, 913-586-7610. That's 913-586-7610. I'll do my best to answer questions. Also, just want to get your thoughts. How are you feeling as we get ready? About a week out from spring training getting started out in Surprise, Arizona. Quick timeout when we get back. We'll hear from Zach Greinke, J.J. Piccolo, live from Kauffman Stadium. I'm Josh Vernier, and this is 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to Royals insider Josh Vernier, live from the Royals rally at Kauffman Stadium. If you miss any of the show, everything is on demand in the All Things Vern channel at 610sports.com and the Odyssey app. Your home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio. Back with you live inside Kauffman Stadium, Royals rally 2023. Bobby Witt Jr., Vinny Pasquantino, MJ Melendez, Michael Massey up on the stage talking with the great Ryan Lefevre, answering questions from fans. Bobby will join us coming up in our 11 o'clock hour. 
Michael Massey, MJ Melendez. You'll hear from them coming up in just about 10 minutes. Hey, I want to talk Royals baseball. I understand that uh, top of mind for many Kansas City sports fans right now is the big game in Arizona. And trust me, 610 Sports Radio has you covered all weekend and all week long after hours with Dusty Likens. And then, of course, Cody and Gold live from Arizona, not to mention Josh Klingler out in AZ as well. But today, up until 2 o'clock, leading up to K-State basketball, we're talking Royals baseball and only Royals baseball. So I want your thoughts on this squad, this offseason, this 2023 season, uh, your hopes, expectations, and concerns heading into spring training. From the 816s, Text line is open. Text line number 913-586-7610. That's 913-586-7610. From the 816, Vern contract talks with Brady Singer. Don't seem to be happening right now based off his response. Well, Brady's a pro. Uh, you, you've certainly learned this over the years. He's not going to give you all that much in interviews. Um, now, I'm not saying he's a liar. Uh, but I but I do think there is a possibility that that uh, gets done before the opener. Uh, is that uh, the, the, the wisest decision just because the elbow and shoulders and arms are fickle and pitching is, uh, well, I mean, Jeff Passan wrote an entire book about the unpredictability of the arm, uh, but cost certainty and a first-round homegrown talent that last year showed the ability to carve up the Dodgers, the Yankees, Cleveland, the Rays, and lead a rotation. I, I can understand uh, the idea, the hope, and some of you, the want uh, to sign Brady to a five, six-year extension, keeping him in Kansas City. So keep those text messages coming in, 913-586-7610. But as I mentioned, going into the break, Zach Greinke is back for another season in Kansas City. Uh, no, I did not ask about his Hall of Fame uh, cap this time. Last year at the introductory press conference, I asked him, hey, does this signing make you more likely to wear KC on your hat when, uh, on your hat when you're inducted into Cooperstown? He said, all right, press conference over. Uh, did not ask him about that yesterday, uh, but he was asked the question about uh, the Hall of Fame. He was asked about uh, approaching 3,000 strikeouts and whether or not uh, those type of things motivate Zach Greinke. I don't know, some days it does, some days I don't care at all about it, so I don't know. Okay. But he's, of course, happy to be returning, though. Definitely excited to be back. It was number one place I was hoping to be, and I was throwing something offseason trying to think if I could get better for the next year or if my body's going to feel worse. And a lot, of, a lot of stuff I tried, it ended up feeling good, so feeling feeling pretty good about uh, where things are. And so family wanted me to keep playing. I enjoyed last season. That was probably the most fun I've had in a while. Even though we didn't win a lot of games, the team was a lot of fun to play with. Just a lot, a lot of reasons to keep, keep playing and happy it's here. So why was last season so much fun for the future Hall of Famer? The players are just fun. It's fun to fun to be around them. Uh, the young guys, I mean, they're just ha- happy to be playing, trying their hardest, trying really hard to get better. And, I mean, it's uh, when we did go on a couple win streaks, you could tell how much fun it's going to be if uh, the team ends up doing doing good this year. It's going to be, a, I mean, it's going to be even even better because uh, good personalities on the team. And the way J.J. Piccolo spoke yesterday, it certainly sounds as if four of the five rotation spots are locked up with Jordan Lyles, Zach Greinke, Brady Singer, Ryan Yarbrough. We'll discuss that further. We'll hear more from J.J. Piccolo, but we got to get to Michael Massey, M.J. Melendez. We'll hear from uh, the Royals' uh, second baseman, Michael Massey, and... What are we calling MJ? We calling him a catcher? We call I'm calling him a left fielder. We'll hear from MJ Melendez, Michael Massey, live from Kauffman Stadium after this. 
You're listening to Royals insider Josh Vernier, live from the Royals rally at Kauffman Stadium. If you miss any of the show, everything is on demand in the All Things Vern channel at 610sports.com and the Odyssey app. Your home for Royals baseball. 610 Sports Radio. Uh, welcome back inside Kauffman Stadium, Royals Rally 2023. My name is Josh Vernier, Royals insider for 610 Sports Radio. I'll be in Arizona uh, as everyone's leaving Arizona after the Super Bowl. I'll arrive next Monday and have you covered for the duration. Uh, live from Surprise, Arizona, Vern's Hot Stove, Thursday nights at 6 o'clock. Uh, but as promised right now, joined by Royals second baseman Michael Massey, Royals catcher slash outfielder MJ Melendez, uh, spoke with uh, MJ and, and, and Michael Massey. Um, for a, a recent podcast, which you can find on 610sports.com. And we cover, uh, well, we cover it all from the offseason to the expectations for 2023. But I, you, you guys know me. You guys know how much I love this game and how nerdy I can get about it. Uh, the thing that I have learned most in my you know, 20 years in, in, in radio and a decade plus covering this team is guys don't get here by accident. You know, we've all had that coach, that classmate, that friend, that 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 whines that he was done wrong, screwed over, an injury got him. Uh, the reason why Brady Singer gets here, uh, MJ Melendez, Michael Massey, the reason why they get here is because they work harder than everyone else. It, it's it's truly amazing when when you get the kind of access access that I've been fortunate enough to have. You see the work that these men put in. Um, before first pitch, um, before the season starts. So I, I started our conversation and directed it towards Michael Massey. When was it uh, in high school, in college, when was it that you realized, man, I'm just working harder than everyone else, and that's why I'm getting ahead? You know, I, I think I always had a, a love for baseball. We were talking to a young fan today over at the, the rally place where we did the radio station, and uh, – he was like, you know, his mom's like, well, he, he, he plays basketball, but he, he says he plays basketball just in the offseason of baseball. And so you can really tell he's all in on baseball and he just does, you know, he does basketball as an offseason activity. And to be honest with you, ever since I've been eight or nine years old, that's always been my thought process. I always played, uh, you know, baseball, I always played football, basketball, soccer, different sports. Uh, but for whatever reason, it was just it was always centered around baseball. And it's almost like those were things that I just did to stay in shape and train for for my baseball season. So. Man, as early as I can think, I, f I feel like I was pretty all in on baseball. Yeah, I mean, same for me. My dad never really let me play anything else just because, mainly football, because he didn't want me to get hurt. Um, we ended up moving to Alabama my seventh grade year of high school. We were there for like five years. And I told my dad, I was like, listen, you want me to make friends here? You moved us out here. You took a coaching job out here, so I'm going to play football and basketball. And I ended up doing that, but I always knew baseball was, was the number one priority for me and uh, stopped basketball after my freshman year stopped football after my sophomore year uh but i think you know you kind of probably for us both you know around like your freshman sophomore year high school is when you really like you can kind of see okay this can be a real thing and i can do this for a living and uh it's probably like when we start working you know outworking uh you know our peers even more motivation to get to the big leagues is obvious but now that you're here you want to improve, but but what's the motivation now to work as hard as you did to get to where you're at now? I mean, I think just seeing the guys around the league, seeing how people have success, um, some of the best players in the game, you know, each year uh, they're, you know, going out and doing the same thing, if not better. Obviously, you know, you're going to go through slumps, you're going to have some fall-off years, but I think going out there and, and trying to be the best against the best is really where that motivation comes from. Uh, and just not settling. Like, obviously, you know, we're blessed to be big leaguers, but at the end of the day, I know me and Mass, we, we don't want to just settle to be in the league. We want to be the best. And and how do you, how do you go about that? Because I'm sure the second baseman and catcher slash outfielder for the Pirates and the Red Sox are saying the exact same thing. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I think number one, it's just, it's the bond you have with your teammates. Um, you know, I think that that kind of holds you accountable. You know, the bond that, I have with MJ and Bobby and and Vinny and Nate and all you know all the young guys and, and the guys I got to meet last year. You know, they talk about accountability. I mean that that makes you want to go work and it makes you want to go win for those guys. And it also makes you want to go win, you know, for the fans. Obviously, you know, going to the Chiefs game tomorrow and 
you know, Chiefs fans or Royals fans, I hope. Uh, and, and so you kind of get a firsthand glimpse of of how energetic the city can be and how much, you know, they can really get into it. And so that's that's another motivating force. And um, But no, to, I mean, to your point, it, it is easy to just sit there and say, hey, we want to be the best. You know, I think that's where you really got to buy in, at least for me personally. I've bought into the, the process idea and just, um, you know, trusting that I'm going to come up with a plan from from my coaches that I trust, from teammates that I've played with, from my own experience and put together a plan in the off season that I think is superior to, to the competition. And you just got to buy into that. Um, and you got to keep at it every single day and, you know, and not every single day, it, it's not, uh, you're not sweating every single day. Some days it's, it's rest and, and recovery. And, um, you know, that's something I've learned, uh, throughout my college and, and minor league career as well. Um, you know, just in the importance of staying healthy. So, but like I said, just, just really buying into that process. The accountability that you talk about between this core of Royals how do you balance holding a teammate accountable when you both are still fighting for your job, still trying to really dig your feet in, in this big league game? Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's more just actions. You know, it, it's a lot, especially, like you said, as a young guy, you kind of learn, like, you know, it's probably not the smartest thing to open your mouth to a, a guy that's been in the league for five, six, seven years. Um, you know, you're still trying to figure it out yourself. But um, I think, you know, being on teams where I've been a veteran, say in college or in high school where you're a junior or senior and you're kind of an upperclassman, um, when young guys come in and they go about their business the right way, it you notice it and, and it kind of puts that extra pressure on you. Like, okay, well, if I'm going to be a leader on this team, like this guy's going to push me and, I, and he's not going to say anything, but just the way he goes about his business, you know, and I think that's something uh, we have a lot of great, you know, leaders in our clubhouse, uh, young guys and older guys. And so I, I think it's just cool as a young guy to, to, to adapt to some of that and then also to bring in kind of what you're about and some of your own stuff. Um, you know, and see if you can kind of fit that in as well. Yeah. MJ, I'm curious where, where you see yourself in, in that having a voice in that clubhouse. We all know Salvi and Nikki and Dozier. They, they've been around for years. I understand that. Um, but to the place of where you feel comfortable, you can hold teammates accountable. Uh, but then there's also a accountability of the clubhouse where I'm going to take things personally if you're not out there giving it your all. To me as a ball player, that's got to be difficult of I got to handle my business but I also want to make sure that we as a group are out there winning and all tugging on the same end of the rope. No, of course. I mean, I think, you know, uh, coming up, playing with a lot of the guys that, you know, are on the team now, a lot of us younger guys, you know, we've done that. We've done it at the at the lower levels and just bringing that to the highest level. Obviously, you know, the combination of us with, with the guys like Salvi that are older uh, and have been doing it for a longer period of time at the highest level, you know, it's just kind of finding that balance. Um, and, and like Matt said, holding each other accountable, um, leading by example, that's something that, you know, the best players in the game have done. You see Derek Jeter, you know, he might not have been the most vocal guy in the clubhouse, but I'll tell you what, everybody respected him and looked up to him because of what he did day in and day out uh, on and off the field. So I think it's just doing that, and I, I feel like we all have really good relationships, whereas if we're giving each other advice, nobody's going to take it too personal. It's, we want the better, you know, for, for our teammates, for our brothers, and uh, we know that's going to, you know, they're going to give that to us in return. I've asked a lot about motivation. How much, because, uh, again, I'm, I'm a sports nerd, so I've watched a lot of old basketball and football players talk, and they all talk, man, the fear of failure motivates me. Baseball's a game of failure. I'm wondering, is that inside of you, of not wanting to be embarrassed in front of 40,000, that fear of failure? Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly... Something, um, you know, as a young guy, I think you feel at times, but at the same time, I've at least come to the conclusion, like, you know what, if, if this is what I'm meant to do and this is where I'm meant to be, the reality is I'm going to be embarrassed in front of 40,000 people quite a bit. So it's almost like, you know what, just get over it and, and handle it um, and be professional about it and understand that it's part of that process, like I said earlier. And kind of once you can get over that hump, then you can really start, you know, the way I look at it is like, that's kind of selfish to my teammates. You know, like if I'm so worried about myself being embarrassed, it means I'm less concerned about winning for MJ or winning for Vinny or winning for the, the Royals fans. And, and so um, just trying to take that attention off yourself and, and realize, you know what, that's just part of the job. Every, every job you take has has perks and every job you take has has a downfall to it. So it's just part of it and, and you got to deal with it. And that's that's part of being a professional. I've heard Mark DeRosa say you're not a big leaguer until you're standing there naked in front of 40,000 on the ball field. Yeah, I mean... It's those uncomfortable situations. I think, uh, Masson, on it, you know, the preparation that you have in the off season. You know, anything you can do to, to prepare you for moments. And, and I think something that a lot of great athletes do is just being uncomfortable uh, and, and finding a way to, you know, go through that, get through that, and, and persevere. And 
you know, whether it's in the weight room, you're going, you're going extra hard that day, you know, you're really tired and you're just persevering through that whole entire workout so that, you know, when you get on the field, it makes that moment a little bit easier. It, it's not as, you know, as tough of a situation and you don't have mm -hmm. as much pressure. And, you know, like you said as well, it, it's, you're out there, you're not just doing it for yourself. You know, you have a whole team behind you. So you're going to have a little bit more pressure if you're just worried about yourself rather than the whole team. Yeah. I feel like when you're playing for the team, that's why you see guys perform at such high levels in championship situations because at that point, it doesn't really matter what you do. It's about the team winning. And then in turn, usually, you just end up playing better. MJ Melendez, Michael Massey joining us here, uh, presented by Rally House, your city, your house, Rally House. As you look back at the rookie campaign, thousands of lessons, I'm sure, but as you've been working this offseason, give me one that stands out. Uh, the, the biggest physical one for me is just staying on the ball. You know, I think a lot of times I'd look at, you know, Finally, in the big leagues, you get that front angle of your swing, which you miss so much in the minors because the games are on TV. So you're able to watch yourself from that that TV angle. And I could just really see, man, when I take a swing, my barrel making a hard right turn is like is right as I'm about to make contact with the ball. Um, so this offseason, I just drilled, like staying through the ball, keeping my barrel flush to left center so I can make more consistent contact. Staying inside the ball better creates better spin. Um, so that, it's more of a mechanical adjustment right now for me that I felt. And then again, as you start playing in spring training and, and you kind of get back into the flow of things, um, I think that's where you begin to really work on those mental adjustments. It's, it's hard to work on the mental ones when you're not getting any mental reps. You know, you're not you're not playing any games right now or, or, or practices. And so physical is really the only thing you can really hone in on in the offseason. So I'm excited to, to obviously put the physical adjustment to work and then, uh, you know, get out there and, and work on those mental ones, too. Yeah, I would say for me. Uh, obviously, it's easy, you know, the physical stuff to, to kind of see what you did wrong and, you know, improve on that. Something for me that, that I, you know, have been trying to hone in on is even outside of the physical. And it's more like preparation, not something that you can really work on. But just being in myself, uh, I, I feel like last season, you know, being a rookie, I just tried to do what I needed to do to, you know, get through the games and, and not, you know, you know, put too much, too many eyes on myself. Just kind of do what you do and, and stay under the radar. Uh, that's, you know, as a rookie, you go in there and you don't want to rub anybody the wrong way, turn any heads in, in, in the wrong in, in the wrong sense. So I think this next season, just going out there and being myself like I did in the minor leagues. And I, I think you can, Mass probably tell you, like in the clubhouse, I'm, I'm kind of different probably than how I appear on the field. I'm pretty goofy, always trying to keep things light. And, and I think if I can just bring that into this next season, you know, how I was in the minor leagues, I think it's going to be, a really good season. Yeah, I feel as if the first interaction we had was your first spring training and you were mild-mannered. And a few years later, you were being yourself inside of that spring training clubhouse, bringing that to the big league clubhouse. I'm wondering because my highlight of yours from this previous season is going down that first baseline, looking in that Royals dugout <laughs> after you <laughs> smoked one. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Because that would be welcomed by me and I think everybody in that yeah. stadium. Maybe, I, maybe it wasn't always embraced by others. No, but, that's but. that's that's more of me. And, and like I said, it's just you know trying to you know stay humble and, and you know not you know rub any, anybody the wrong way. Obviously, you know being a rookie and and just kind of being the new guy, you just kind of want to do what you, do as you're told and and not you know create too much attention around yourself. But at the end of the day, you know to help the team win, I feel like I have to be myself. I think, you know, like I said, in, in the clubhouse and off the field, I'm a pretty goofy guy and I don't really care, you know, what people think. And I feel like that's just how I have to play the game and uh, got there, play with a little bit of chip on my shoulder. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's going it, to it'll really show. And I feel like, you know, our whole team has has the opportunity to play like that. Yeah, that it's was D exciting. Wade standing on the scores table. Exactly. Yeah, in Miami. exactly. Michael, how would you describe to the Royals fan watching, listening? standing in the box at Kauffman Stadium. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends. It depends what uh, where you come from. I know for me, it's, uh, it was a dream. You know, it was something I always... Uh, one of the coolest moments for me this year was just you, throughout your whole life, and I'm sure MJ can say the same thing, You all the, the weight room sessions that you put in or the, the hitting sessions and, and fielding and all the games you play, all the tough nights you have, you always... You have that dream in your head that keeps you going, you know, that dream of stepping onto a major league field or stepping into the batter's box at you know, at a place like Kauffman stadium. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's something that when I went out there for the first time, you always, you have that dream and then you open your eyes and it's gone, you know, and you, and you go on with your day. And then to step in that box for the first time this year was something where 
you feel like you're trying to open your eyes and you're like, wait, they're open. Like this is real. Uh, so, you know, that was, that was something that was super special to me. Um, you know, and, and I hope to, uh, I don't take it for granted. That's for sure. So, um, you know, I hope to get, uh, just, a, just a few more bats sure. in that batter's box. So not that you would ever take it for granted, but does the wow of it, the, whether we're talking about just the size of it or just the holy crap, it's the show three decks. How long, how many at-bats, games, months did it take for that to wear off for you? To be honest with you, in like the most humble way possible, I'm going to say this. For me, I feel like it, it never really came in a sense to where when I got up and I told my dad this, I told my family, and I don't know if I've ever said this in like a public setting, but when I, after my first game, I talked to my dad and he's like, man, how did it feel? How did it feel that first hit? I said, I'm, it felt great. He's like, were you nervous? I said, no, uh, I, I never really got the whole nervous thing. I never really got the jitters. I never really got any anxiety. And I felt like that was like the defining moment for me of like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. Like I'm a big leaguer. Like I am supposed to be a major league baseball player. And, and it was a really cool feeling. And, and I remember actually asking Bobby, I was like, Bob, did you uh, like, how did you feel? He's like, dude. And he literally described the same thing I did. I was like, Dude, we're meant to be here. Like, we're born to be Major League Baseball players. And so that was a moment for me that, like, was really surreal. And it was cool. So I never really got the those little jitters. But I know, you know, when we get to playoff baseball, that's going right. <laughs> to that's gonna hit a little bit different. And you I think. Yeah. You never know. Like you were saying with Jeter, I, I feel like when he got there, it was still ball, you know? Mm-hmm. Still Still, Do your job, give baseball. it to the guy behind you. Yep, exactly. Same game. Mike, when you hear that, a guy like Bobby or MJ, it's, yeah, I've never really felt those jitters. They describe belonging. Uh, you didn't have the full six months that they did. Did you reach that? I belong, because all big leaguers reach that moment of, all right, I'm done, I'm here. Now let's move. Did you have that moment? Yeah, no, I think I think the journey's different for everybody. Um, you know, I, I certainly felt like, you know, I think my first at bat, I remember in Toronto, I had some jitters. My legs were shaking pretty good. Um, I don't know if that was because it was first at bat. It was also a pinch hit. So, like, I don't know if I was just, like, rushed in the game type of thing. But I would honestly, I felt like that first start I made in Toronto, I, I uh, along the lines of what MJ said, I didn't really feel that. You know, I remember being nervous before the game. But once I got out there and got going, it was like, all right. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, this is just baseball, yeah. you know, in, in a different stage, obviously. And I think that speaks to... Really, what impressed me first about you was just how serious every rep in spring training mm-hmm. you took, whether we're talking defensively or at the dish. I was like, yeah, a lot of guys that aren't on the 40 were here early. They're not taking it that serious. It, it speaks to your professionalism, yeah. I would imagine, that allowed those nervous butterflies to, to cease rather quickly. Yeah, yeah. No, that was that was something that, like, you talk about that rep, you know, the way I take my reps, it's, it's something that's super serious to me in the sense of, in college, I had a pretty significant back injury. And I remember when I first got drafted by the Royals, you know, I'm out on the backfields and, and they're letting everyone else take 75, 80, 90, 95 ground balls with 100 plus swings. And uh, I remember getting my sheets and it was like, you know, 25 ground balls, 50 swings. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I'm looking around. I'm going to get caught. Like these guys are all getting so many more reps than I'm getting. Um, and so in my head, I, I kind of came up with this, like, you know what? This is, again, just accepting it as a professional and being like, you know what, this is the way it is. I can't change it. Um, But I got to find a way to get just as good as these guys in lesser amount of reps. So what goes into my rep has to be so much cleaner and so much more efficient than what goes into somebody else's rep. And so if that's a ground ball in spring training, um, to me, it's not a ground ball on a Thursday afternoon in spring training in Surprise, Arizona. I got to find a way before my rep to close my eyes put myself at Kauffman Stadium on opening day or in a playoff game and say, all right, man, this is the seventh inning, game's on the line, this ball's coming to me, and now I get a fungo rep with that mentality on it, and now I do that five times, 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, and I take 40 or 50 reps like that, you could take a million reps like it's spring training all you want, and my 50 reps are going to beat yours, and so that's the way that I kind of look at my process and my training, and and I think that that kind of went along with, I think, maybe what you saw. Mm -hmm. So you over there nodding, yeah. I think it's just about, you know, doing everything with a purpose. It's like, you know, Matt said, it doesn't matter if you take, you know, 200 swings in the cages. Like, if those 200 swings, if you're just doing it just to do it, it's not going to be the same as if you take 50 intentional swings. So, you know, just doing everything, having a reason behind it, and and putting yourself in those situations. I know uh, for me, whether it's in my head or, you know, in the offseason with my dad, uh, my last couple rounds of BP, we do like situation. All right, hey, you know, playoff game, World Series, man on second base, 
two outs down by one. Like, what are you going to do? And obviously, you know, it's not the exact same situations, but just putting yourself in those situations, thinking the focus, you know, the intention behind it. And, and, you know, doing that, and it translates to the game. I do believe that. It's great you do that, because if I was you, I would just hit those prodigious bombs in BP <laughs> all day. I'm, Solaire's the only guy that I would say could put on the kind of show, at least during spring training, Yeah, he, that you would he put he on those backfields. He definitely put on a show. <laughs> For both of you, what what does it feel like? The expectations, the hope, not that, that you and your friends and family have, but also... Everyone listening, watching, all those people that showed up at Rally House. What is that? This is what you dreamed of. And now mm-hmm. here it is. Here's a whole bunch of expectations and pressure. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I, um, you know, and I guess I understand it, but I, I, I haven't really bought into it is the, you know, hey, you're young. You're going to struggle. You're going to go through these things. We're going to struggle as a team because we're young and we're inexperienced. And to me, it's um, I take it as like a slight personally in the sense of, um, yeah, I get, you know, I get we're young and I get we're inexperienced, but at the same time we're professionals too. And so I've never bought into the underdog story because I think the moment you believe you're an underdog is when you actually become an underdog because you truly think then the other person is better than you. Um, and, and so we, like we've talked about on this, this podcast, man, like we, we've both had our journeys just like everyone else had their journey and we're here now and, and you know, how long we're here, who knows? That's, that's not up to us. And, uh, we just got to go in and put the work in every single day. But I certainly feel the expectation to win, and I'm glad it's like that. You know, I wouldn't want it to be any other way. Yeah, no, Does it feel I, different for you? No, no, that's the same. I love that he said that, actually, because I, I think both of us, you know, go, coming up through the minor leagues, like, we've won. Like, what we do is we win. And at the end of the day, like, we're in the major leagues to win. Yeah, we're good players, but we're not up here just to, you know, put up our own personal stats. We're up here to win ball games. And to win a World Series, uh, and that's a goal of ours, but it's also an expectation. I think not just from anybody else, but from ourselves. Like we believe that we can do that, and it doesn't matter if we don't have, you know, a three hundred million dollar guy signed to our team. Like that, I feel like we're just as good, if not better, than that guy. And I feel like the way that we can play together and the chemistry that we have is going to be better than, you know, if some team has ten guys signed for thirty mil a year. What impresses you about one another's game? You talked about, you know, your first, my first game and how I felt, but I would have guessed, you know, that Nats didn't have any, any trouble, any problem. I was unfortunately not able to watch in person, but, you know, just watching that Toronto trip and, and how he handled that first game and, you know, how he was controlling the the bat and his, uh, his at-bats is extremely impressive. I mean, he goes and you do that and then you can go and play, you know, gold glove defense. I mean, he already did in the minor leagues, the gold glove. I think it's just a matter of time, you know, a matter of games played in the major leagues to be able to do that at the major league level. I mean, you know, any ball hit anywhere close to second base and it's going to be even more impressive now where you don't have a shift. You're going to see the kind of range that he's able to display and make those crazy plays and obviously, you know, do it with a bat as well. Mass, real quick, before you tell me what stands out about MJ, tell me about the the offseason, the range at second base, because all second basemen, all shortstops across Major League Baseball this season, it's, all right, you know, now we're going to see what type of athlete you truly are. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously a lot of it is athleticism, and, and I've been working on that physically um, in the weight room and, and all that stuff. But I, I also think a lot of it's mentally, and I think what you're going to see is how uh, how good guys can be at reading swings uh, knowing what pitch is coming is going to be super, super important now. Um, just to get any any advantage that you possibly can, uh, you know, whether it's a step to the left, a step to the right, just a quicker jump to the left, maybe if you read the barrel out in front or something mm-hmm. like that. So, and, and honestly, I'm excited to talk to to our new coaches about that. Um, I, I feel like they're going to have a really, really good feel on it and, uh, you know, just going into spring training, trying to learn all that stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a dangerous infield, probably a dangerous outfield. Uh, you're going to be moonlighting out there or... We might see out there a lot this season. How comfortable are you with the idea of an everyday left-right fielder? For me, it's always been whatever's best for the team. And I feel like uh, I have the athleticism to be able to do that. And, you know, this offseason, my training has been, you know, more tailored to be being able to be an outfielder. Whereas before, it was always, you know, doing stuff for catching, always pertaining to being behind the plate. And, and now it's, you know, working on my speed, working on my jumps, working on my quick twitch muscles, being able to turn and get to balls, having good routes, you know, doing all those little things. And, and not that I'm going to be perfect by any means, but, you know, just being able to improve on that now year in and year out, 
and, you know, still being ready and being prepared mentally and physically to, to catch ball games when need be. Does the idea of playing more in the outfield allow you to feed your body in a different way? Do you have to have a, a different athleticism in left, right compared to behind the dish? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different. I've always tried to stay lean and it was it's funny because anytime I would go somewhere and people would ask what sport you play baseball they'd say oh you're you know you're a shortstop or you're an outfielder because I was always you know thinner and now it's you know being able to not only just keep that and maintain that but also being able to show that you know with you know my speed and my athleticism out in outfield so man I'm excited I'm excited to go out and do that every single day what stands out to you about MJ yeah it's funny because he took my answer uh one of the things that stands out to me is just his confidence and his swagger obviously having the the personal experience of that myself it is not an easy transition to come from triple a or the minor leagues and go into the big leagues right away and have and be able to maintain that confidence and so um, just to see the way that he carries himself on the field again such a professional manner you know we're what 20 23 24 um you know and, and even more so than that though i think he mentioned how other guys looked super confident when they got called up. And I would say that that's a testament to him because he was there before a lot of us were. Um, and so when we got called up uh, and it's a bunch of faces you don't know and a bunch of guys you never played with. And, and one of the guys you see that you do know is MJ. He played that role perfectly. And, and he was there for all of us and he made sure we knew where to go. Uh, he made sure we felt comfortable if we needed anything. And so I can't speak to, you know, enough on how good of a teammate he is and, that that's something that in our clubhouse I certainly feel like we have a lot of. It's just a lot of guys that care about each other. Um, and, and I really do think that that's why ultimately we're going to end up being successful. Is there a teammate you haven't seen since the end of the season that you're interested to see, A, if they still got it together, if the hair's out of whack? Who are we going to run into and surprise and give a hard time to right away? Uh, well, I mean, absolutely, Vinny Pasquantino. I've seen him, and I know his hair is out of whack. Yeah. Um, but that's just, it's always going to give a hard time to Vinny. You know, one guy that sticks out to me that I'm just really excited to see what he's done in the offseason is Drew Waters. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but I mean, it's kind of a whole he, team. And everyone's like, no, man, I mean, there's a he, lot of guys I mean, that you can see, take off. You saw how he ended the season. I yeah. mean, he was freaking hitting home runs left and right. I was like, dude, where'd this come yeah. from? And uh, and you're saying people thought you were thick. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he he can he can swing the bat. So I'm excited to see how he's gonna, how he's going to come back. And I would say uh, I always give uh, Amir a hard time. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to mess with him, especially, you know, he always talks about oh, how he used to have hair, which I don't <laughs> think he ever did. But and he, probably, yeah. he still thinks he can yeah, he's beat like, you oh, all can, on the I court, can, too. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we talked about that earlier. I was saying, it seems to be a common theme going around right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, he played basketball, but, I mean, I'm just saying it's because he's tall, you know? Like, he's yeah. tall. He can dunk. Yeah. I told him, I was like, listen, if we had a shooting contest, I would beat you. He was like, no, you wouldn't. I was like, all right, well, then let's do it. He's on the wrong side of 32. You guys <laughs> got youth on him. You got the That's, energy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. MJ Melendez, Michael Massey, thank you very much for the time. Joining us, uh, presented by Rally House, your city, your house, Rally House. Guys, thank you very much. Appreciate it, Vern. Thanks for having us. us. You're listening to Royals insider Josh Vernier, live from the Royals Rally at Kauffman Stadium. If you miss any of the show, everything is on demand in the All Things Vern channel at 610sports.com and the Odyssey app. Your home for Royals baseball. 610 Sports Radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.